This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 58, looking at Agent Carter, season 2 finale, episode 10, Hollywood ending. It's the end. Welcome back, Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, episode 58, where we are looking at the final episode of this season's Agent Carter Hollywood ending. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Renew Agent Carter. Renew Agent Carter, indeed. Can't believe Um, it's over. Yeah, 10 episodes. Really, you know, solid season, I think, in general. Really... Interesting episode, I thought. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm wondering whether it is a bit of a Hollywood ending, um, a little more so than I would have been expecting. I think if there was going to be a season three, if they'd known there was going to be a season three when this was being written, it uh, might have been slightly different. There seemed to be a lot of things tied up in this episode, um, leading me to believe that they aren't expecting to get another series out of it. Uh, but there's some really good stuff in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd have similar thing. I think I mentioned it on the last Agent Carter podcast that we did, episode uh, 56 of Defenders. And, um, I wondered whether they had left a bit too much to, to get through for a final hour or just under. For me, that what felt the case here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there was an indulgence in uh, other times through the season looking at things, but at I have no complaints against that because I really enjoyed uh, this season of Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, unfortunately, maybe I just feel this final episode was a bit unbalanced, on balance, um, given everything that it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't feel um, balanced to me. There was still lots to like about the episode. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Um, any time spent with our favorite characters in 1940s US is uh, always good time anyway, isn't it? Well, that's it. I absolutely love Agent Carter and I really want to see a season three. I have, to be honest, thoroughly enjoyed this season. Um, it's just been so good. I, I, I think that the episodes and the standard across the 10 has been excellent mm-hmm. it, it really is kind of episodic but at the same time has that serialized element all the way through it feels connected even though it's a different time and it covers really important themes such as gender such as um race and, and all that plus coupled with the kind of cold war era that we we find ourselves in i just think it's a really interesting insight into the marvel universe as well Absolutely, absolutely. And this is definitely the way to watch it. Ten episodes, one a week over the course of ten weeks. Uh, I feel kind of sorry for some of our US friends who, uh, who watched it two episodes back to back over about, uh, over about six weeks, I think, uh, was the way it was broadcast in the US. Uh, I kind of like having it paced out and getting our, our weekly dose with ad breaks in between, which give a little bit of ratcheting up of the tension that was in, in each of the episodes rather than watching it without ad breaks and, uh, back to back and binged. I don't think it was made for that. I think it was made much more as a serial. Uh, to be shown over the course of 10 weeks. Definitely. And of course, you can listen to all our episodes of Agent Carter on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher. Just search Defenders TV Podcast and listen back to all 10 episodes. Um, We will also now be moving on to Daredevil in full uh, and continuously um, after this episode of Agent Carter we'll be moving on to our episode 5 review and discussion of Daredevil so again leave a review, subscribe to us on any good podcast catcher or iTunes leave a review so that others can find out where we are Absolutely. And make sure you do subscribe because what that will mean is the next time we do an Agent Carter episode, which hopefully will be, will be for season three uh, or any other connected uh, movie or TV show, you'll be able to get the episodes popping in to your ears in Podcast Catcher uh, as we release them. And also, if you want to send in any of your thoughts about the episodes, you can email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or while you're waiting for the next episode of Agent Carter to drop, come and join our group over on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. Come join the group. We're discussing everything Marvel at the moment in the lead up to Civil War and all the way through Daredevil and the other Netflix shows. There's tons of discussion going on. Uh, So we'd love to have you join us over on Facebook. Absolutely. In fact, you know, will we see another version of Agent Carter in Civil War? 
I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, she's very central to Captain America's storyline. We did see her in, in Winter Soldier, uh, unfortunately, and uh, in a very aged state, uh, losing her mind slightly. But hopefully we will see Peggy uh, to finalize her part in the trilogy uh, next uh, next movie coming up. Absolutely. So with that, Derek, um, what are some of the production notes from this episode? <laughs> So this episode of Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 10, Hollywood Ending, was directed by Jennifer Getzinger. Uh, and the teleplay was written by Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters, the guiding hands of Agent Carter. And also the story was written by Chris Dingus. So three of the main uh, people on the writing staff got together to put, it, put this episode out for us. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us? Sure. With the Zero Matter released from Dr. Jason Wilkes returning him to a solid state, so it is reunited with Whitney Frost, who intends on reopening the rift to expose Earth to the all-consuming parasitic substance. To combat Frost's plans that will destroy Earth as we know it, Peggy must assemble a team to eliminate Zero Matter for good. So she turns to the three egos of Wilkes, Samberley, and Howard Stark, who, like any self-respecting geniuses, stand on the shoulders of giants and use Frost's work on the fissure to construct the Shears of God, aka the Rift Generator. Along with Thompson, Sousa, and Jarvis, the group open up a rift, drawing Frost into their trap that leads to Frost's capture and the release of her zero matter back into the void. As Peggy and Thompson get ready to head back to New York, both, for very different reasons, find themselves staying longer than anticipated. I've said it before, John. I'll say it again. You do make it difficult for yourself. The all-consuming parasitic substance. Impressive. Impressive. Thanks very much for your uh, synopsis for this week. Quite a... I particularly liked my Three Amigos reference, but to the three egos, I, I the like scientific it. egos. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Great to see those three together, actually. Uh, we will probably be talking about that throughout the episode. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the end of our Agent Par- Carter podcasts, uh, the way we cover our episodes is we discuss our five points that we've picked out from the episode, some good, some bad. As we go through, we may have a few notes uh, to share about the episode, and hopefully that allows us to cover the full show in full detail, uh, and then we decide whether we defend the the episode or not. John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? I do and I don't. Um, I'm just going to get it out of the way. Uh, It's a negative point, unfortunately. Um, But I do feel, in many respects, I watched this episode twice. Um, The first time, it did kind of feel like it fell flat to me. Um, Watching it a second time, it was a lot better Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But I still had a feeling that it just felt a bit unbalanced. It felt like there was too much to get through um, and that maybe there, w- there was a rush to the end here a bit um, over the, the 10 seasons. I don't have a problem per se with the episode, but there were, you know, there's people missing in action, um, such as Vernon, Dottie, uh, Sousa's ex-fiancé, none of which we've heard about yet. There was also a wrapping up of Sousa and Peggy, uh, Wilkes and Peggy, the the Frost uh, and the Zero Matter. And, and I think for me, the big bad of this episode was shortchanged mm-hmm. with Whitney Frost. Um, and I think that's why I feel it's unbalanced. I think what happened at the Rift just felt like a complete flop to me. Right. Um, she turns up and she gets captured and that's it it's like there's no big face-off there's no big confrontation between her and say peggy and there's no real kind of explanation or or kind of malevolence there or there's not even the black zero matter coming through from the other side as she manages to start sort of the beginning of the end that we've been told about it's she shows up gets shot in the back with the gamma cannon um and then she's arrested. Yeah. And that's it. Now, I absolutely loved the ending of her and her memories with Calvin Chadwick and her speaking to herself in the asylum. Absolutely. And all that. I thought that was really, really good. I just wished there had been more payoff with that kind of whole rift scene. It, like, everyone was there. It could really have 
even if there was a casualty, I thought Sambly actually had died and then he shows up again. But there was saying he's fainted as well. Yeah, it's not as if it's it's even saying that Whitney didn't attack him or at all. He just dropped to the ground when he saw her beside him. You know, but there was no jeopardy or tension for it. And and for me, I think that just made the episode feel unbalanced. It feels as though they went from A to B to C, and um, it it really just felt slightly unbalanced from that point of view. And that's really. The one negative point I have about this is quite big, I know. I've loved this season of Agent Carter, and I think that's why it maybe just sticks with me a bit more, because, to be honest, I've absolutely loved all the episodes, and this just made it feel a bit unbalanced, and for the final episode, I wish that maybe had been shared around some of the other episodes uh, some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's my main criticism of this uh, episode. Yeah, I think I had a very similar problem to the, with this particular scene as, as you did, John. Um, we mentioned in our last episode that the one thing we wanted to know more about was Zero Matter because we didn't know anything about it. We, we knew that it was coming from a rift in possibly the other side of space or another planet. But what we get in this episode is Wilkes explaining what happened to him when he got taken through the rift. It's not as exciting as seeing it in this case. Um, it's not as exciting as having that revealed and opened as to what Zero Matter actually is. And unfortunately, it feels like they have left this for something to be explained in Doctor Strange or something to be explained in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which which feels like that means they don't have the confidence in using this type of stuff in Agent Carter, which is unfortunate. You know, you need that confidence like they did in, eventually in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to say after the first season to eventually go, we are important in the Marvel Universe. We're going to take a concept from the comic books and expand upon it significantly so it does affect the universe back in. So the one in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was obviously taking something from the Marvel t- Marvel movie universe with the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and taking it and running with it. And now they've got Inhumans, which is huge. They're the ones that are showing Inhumans on the TV show. Absolutely. Um, so it's really, really big. But they're in their second season of Agent Carter and it felt like, oh, we can't explain it here. We're going to let that be explained in one of those movies that has bigger budgets, you know, um, which is unfortunate, an unfortunate way to end uh, to end it, and as you say, the, the particular moment of Whitney Frost getting shot in the back and then put in the car it just felt like a, a, a total damp squib um, for that character. It felt like, uh, well, that's that's how we're going to end it, right? Okay, see you later. Yeah, we'll see you next time, maybe. Um, I know, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't want to be overcritical about it. It's just that, like, she was such a good character and was so powerful. I mean, she dispatched her own husband and I, and I feel that, you know, maybe she could have taken out Sambly and that would have been the big kind of loss because everyone was treating him with such remoteness. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, Thompson and Sousa, um, and even Stark in this episode, you know, and maybe that jolt of realizing that he had been taken would, would, you know, something would have made that more, uh, tense that whole scene. It was like, you know, e- even just, uh, I think as well, it's just because, and whilst I loved the comedy, just the fact that, that, you know, Howard Stark's hitting golf balls into the void in the context of what happens then with Whitney Frost, it's like, it's like they weren't taking it seriously. And I mean, the people who were there with, you know, um, a rift to another part of the universe opened up in front of them with the possibility that this black space goo as Susa calls it it can come in and consume the whole of the earth mm-hmm. and it's like i love the comedy of the seven Nine and and driving into it i absolutely did yes but with hindsight then or with in retrospect of, of this episode and what happened with whitney frost i was like well maybe just don't show him playing golf and have a more tense final event with Whitney Frost coming to the rift and, yeah. and falling into the trap or something. I think to the point of the comedy in the episode, it did feel like a lot of it was a quip a minute. Uh, it felt like everybody had to deliver a quip before they delivered some other line. Um, everybody gets gets a shot because it's the final episode, so everybody gets a funny moment. Uh, I don't know whether Sambly would be the one to die in this episode. I think your season two finale has to be some one of the big three. It has to be either Jack Thompson, uh, Daniel Souza, or possibly Jarvis. Having the death of Jarvis could have been the drive that Howard Stark needed to create an AI voiced by James Darcy, you know? Um, that could be, could be a big kickoff point again, tying something big into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, yeah, but I, I particularly loved the golf scene. I think we're going to probably 
jump off this point. Um, it is a big point about the negative of the episode, but uh, there's so many other fun points that happen. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's the for me, it was the elephant in the room that I just wanted to get out right. of the way up front because there is so much to like about this episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that we don't get into ever-decreasing ne- negative circles that, Derek, what's your next point? <laughs> uh, my point is about just Whitney Frost writing on the wall. Uh, this is a connection to the Marvel TV universe. It uh, really reminded yeah. me of those wonderful scenes in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where you had Coulson going off and going crazy, drawing uh, the Kree designs on the wall as we thought they were at the beginning. But yeah, I loved the the connection between these two. Um it does seem like it was it was building up to something huge that she's able to read the mind of whatever this is, the zero matter that's controlling her, uh, is sharing with her how to connect and how to connect with another galaxy, how to build uh, a new uh, device to reach out and uh, and ju- and bring zero matter to Earth potentially. Uh, that was really interesting. Uh, but yes, it really did strike me as something from uh, from those wonderful scenes in Agents of Shield with uh, with Coulson. So really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, that was really good. And I, I must say, I loved it when they did open up the rift, that it just cut back to her in her room, writing all this stuff down. And she just like raises her head and kind of smiles and grins. Um, and I just love the fact that her hair is so crazy uh-huh. because, you know, she is, she's going crazy and it just feeds so nicely into those absolute final scenes, which I loved yeah. where she's in the asylum, having memories back to Calvin Chadwick um, and speaking to herself um and the scratches on her face and Manfredi coming in. I just thought, um, yeah, really, that was a great end to her. Yeah, and, and one of the other things I loved about the drawings on the wall was Peggy's reaction to it, where she's taking the photographs of it, and Daniel says to her, do you understand any of this? And she says, I don't speak megalomaniac. Yeah. <laughs> but... Luckily for us, Howard Stark does. <laughs> really good, uh, good little line there and good little quip from, um, from Peggy. John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, it's Jack Thompson getting killed. Yeah, I mean, we do have a big death here. Um, it's maybe not where I was expecting it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also slightly grappling with the fact that I maybe didn't want Jack Thompson to die. I kind of felt, he was starting to really redeem himself. I know we said that a few times <laughs> over these uh, episodes of our podcast, but yeah. I do think um, he may have started to really be uh, redeeming himself. You know, we've got the little nod back to, to season one with getting the lunch. Um, you know, he comes clean about the pin and it being a key. And, mm. you know, they have the conversation, him and Peggy, about, well, you know, are you not going to, like, grasp me up and essentially get him fired for for siding with Vernon Masters? Um, and then right at the end, we have him getting shot by an unknown assailant with a silencer. And I'm there going, well, is that Vernon? Is that Dottie? Is that someone else from the arena club? Maybe the head of Roxxon? Who, mm-hmm. who is it? I was trying to look back at the moment that he opens the door to see whether he has a flash of recognition, um, or, or shock on his face. But I think he, I think the person firing the gun is actually stood off to one side. So mm-hmm. it's a really intriguing thing. And it almost says to me that. Maybe there is a season three because that's a great little sort of cliffhanger at the end of this season. Yeah. And so it is I fa- hope so. And it is, in fact, the post credit scene for Agent Carter season two. So Marvel do love their post credit scenes. This is the uh, this is the one for this season, uh, really. But yeah, I, I like how it sets up something for season three. Uh, what I was quite surprised about is that it is the it is the file on Agent Carter that's stolen from Jack's Absolutely. possession. It isn't the Arena Club key, for example. It isn't all of Vernon Masters' files or the folder that we saw Jack have. It is purely. Agent Carter's file, so somebody particularly wanted that file on Agent Carter. But that's it. I was wondering, is that Dottie then, because of her obsession with Peggy Carter? Mm-hmm. Or then I started to think, well, is it a British agent? Um, the fact that it's an SOE file, mm-hmm. it was handed to um, Jack Thompson by one of his uh, colleagues in presumably MI5 or MI6 or something. Are they taking that back? Maybe, or yeah. is it something completely different? Uh, you know, yeah. Really good little bit of intrigue 
um, setting up for yeah a renew agent Carter hopefully yeah absolutely and a season three let's hope we see that definitely yeah it was a bit of a was a bit of a shocking moment to finish out the episode in with uh, with the death of Jack Thompson possibly do do always think that uh, when you see someone die in these kind of shows or they're lying on the ground from a bullet wound hey we saw it already with Anna Jarvis this season so um, you know it's a bullet wound that may not have killed them that is true yes. that is true and I'm hoping that that is the case as well because. Yeah, I was starting to warm to Jack Thompson yeah. in this episode. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I think, uh, let bygones be bygones, I think was <laughs> what was happening between him and Peggy in this episode, which was really nice to see. So hopefully, you know, vigil for Jack Thompson that he maybe pulls through his fatal shot to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, what's your next point? My next point is Joseph Manfredi working with Howard Stark and, uh, and, trying to capture Whitney Frost or trying to get the information from Whitney Frost. Particularly, there's just one scene um, that I loved, which is Joseph Manfredi uh, beating Hank, one of his uh, one of his guys, effectively to try and uh, try and just distract Whitney Frost. He's telling uh, Hank to to give up the fact that he's working with one of the other criminal gangs. Uh, really good scene uh, as it goes because it shows a bit of the brutality of Joseph Manfredi. Uh, it shows that he's that he's willing to distract Whitney Frost, and the only thing that that gets her away from her work is that she could possibly be the muscle for this mobster. Is definitely good fun, but what makes it even better is the fact that when Whitney does attack Hank. Uh, he gives up that actually he works for the feds. And so yeah. while randomly choosing one of his, one of his bodyguards or one of his security guys, uh, it turns out that, that Joseph has found, um, the guy that's, that's the, that's the mole in his organization that he never knew was there. I just think that's absolutely great. Really good, uh, really good moment in the episode. Really good fun. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, comedy is a big part of this season and, Agent Carter, and this was really good mm-hmm. as well. Um, the fact that he, you know, he's been blabbing to the feds, it, it, it's really good. It was a nice little twist. I think, um, it was interesting to see Manfredi sort of turn up at Howard Stark's house, mm. definitely. Again, I wasn't entirely sure that why that was happening so much. Um, I, I wondered whether, um, you know, did it undermine who Howard Stark is and who he represents. Maybe I'm thinking more of Tony Stark here, but yeah. it, it seems strange that all of a sudden um, there was this deal with the devil and the devil was Howard Stark. But nonetheless, um, you know, it, it, it helped them uh, get the information that they needed. Yeah, well, you got to remember, I suppose, that Tony is the one that get, that stops Stark Industries from making um, weapons of mass destruction purely because he has had a change of heart uh, I guess literally, um, in in the Iron Man film. So Howard has actually set up all these businesses that sell weapons effectively to any government that will pay him enough money, you know. Um, so Howard's not necessarily a good guy. He is great fun in the episode um, and great fun all the way throughout this season. Really, really enjoyable, but not necessarily a totally on-the-level guy. He is a, an industrialist, he is a businessman, and he is a very, very rich womanizer uh, who happens to help out Pecky occasionally, I think, is the way we'd see it. Yeah, I know. It's just that, you know, Manfredi has been so despicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for everyone to suddenly, I suppose the enemy of my enemy is also my friend. Yeah. So, uh, not that Manfredi is even Whitney Frost's enemy. I mean, he's there to save her. Um, and I think, you know, there, there is that conversation with Wilkes. Well, she is complicit in this. She's not like this helpless and um, innocent person being used by the zero matter. Um, you know, but I, I like why Manfredi made that deal with the devil as he has that conversation with Nonna. There seems to be that trouble in paradise for Manfredi. You know, he's gotten his Whitney back and now she is totally consumed with the zero matter, Mm -hmm. with opening up the rift. And the fact that actually, you know, she is the one that is dismissing him now. Um, And, you know, that is where he is starting to kind of see 
the the gap open up between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a quick shout out here to uh, to someone who pulled me up on Twitter for uh, for calling him Roberto Manfredi uh, many many times. I think throughout the episodes, <laughs> I've called him Roberto. I think I just did it there as well. Um, it is Joseph Manfredi, and uh, just as a little treat, since I have been getting his name wrong, uh, Joseph Manfredi is actually a character from Marvel Comics, uh, making his first appearance in Daredevil one one eight. So he, there is a connection with Daredevil there. He's in uh, the Circus of Crime. And the Circus of Crime is run by the ringmaster who we had suspected was possibly Dr. Faustus in season one, the guy who turned his ring and was able to uh, control the minds of people. But we were wrong. It was Dr. Faustus in season one. But anyway, uh, this character of uh, Joseph Manfredi was a comic book character um, who had a number of dealings with uh, with Daredevil, which I just thought was a good little call out. But there you go. That's my apology for, uh, for getting his name wrong throughout this season. Uh, John, do you want to take us on to your next point? Yeah, no, my next point is just a really nice little moment. Um, and for me, th- this episode has a lot of, uh, really nice moments between some of the characters that we cherish and love here. And it's between Peggy and Jarvis where he's explaining to Peggy about the conversation, the difficult conversation he's had to have with, with Anna. Um, and he goes, we had a good cry over what could never be. And I just thought it was a real nice confirmation of what we kind of saw in the last episode yeah. where, you know, Jarvis has sat down next to uh, Anna in the hospital. Um, and the camera has panned back behind the glass and that difficult conversation is, is being had between Jarvis and, and Anna. And uh, I just thought there was a nice little touch for him to sort of make that point to Peggy here. Again, because, you know, they're about to go off into a really dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was a really nice little touch and a nice... And a nice little nod back to uh, the previous episode. And I, I like that. I kind of like those nice little touches like that. So, um, yeah, that, that was what my next point. Yeah, it really showed that they were, se- their relationship was sealed again, you know, from the little rift that they had in their own relationship when they were arguing in the desert. Uh, and obviously Jarvis shared that piece of information that his wife can no longer have kids. It just still cements the relationship more when he goes back to her after they've had the conversation and does say, I've told her finally, you know, um, yeah, really, really good moment. Enjoyed that. Speaking of good moments, we have Howard Stark back in this episode. Absolutely. And boy, does he have some great moments in this episode. Uh, Certainly the, the intro to Howard when he, when they knock down Whitney Frost with the car, uh, <laughs> he sticks his head out of the car and goes, Jarvis, you've just knocked down a woman with a car. She's a two time Oscar winner. <laughs> Fantastic. What a great opening line from Howard. Uh, and he has many, many more throughout this episode. Put the condiment down. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. Uh, which one of you built a hover car? <laughs> is another one of my favorites. Uh, when he's trying to name the device, uh, for the, for the opening of the rift. Uh, really good. Yeah. The wise crack as he's got his arms around Peggy's uh, waist. Yeah, where he says, I'm not having any unsavory thoughts, Peggy. And then, yes, I am now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, typical Howard. Even with the golf, you know, I did like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's only in retrospect that I'm kind of there going, mm, was it the right time? But the whole golf into the big hole uh-huh. <laughs> was really good. I mean, yeah. pass me the seven iron, you know, I think it is good. It's good comedy. Absolutely. Um, maybe the timing's not entirely right, but it is Howard Stark's character. He's, he's one of those characters. If he's left around to do nothing, waiting for something to happen, he's going to make his own fun. You know, that's the, uh, that's the fun part about Howard, I suppose. Uh, and finally, him coming on to Rose, uh, I thought was really good fun when he's, as usual, being his charming self, never met Rose before. And now he's having a, having a shot at her saying, I love your perfume. It's, it's lovely. And Rose saying, it's Rinso, which is effectively, uh, effectively like, uh, washing up liquid that she's, <laughs> that she's used to wash her hair or wash her hands, uh, which I thought was quite quite and fun. Rose can call him Howard, but Sambly can't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, really good. Uh, John, do you have another point for us? I love the fact that Peggy and Sousa got it on. Oh, yes. Finally. Got it on in a big way. I hope those blinds were down um, in, in Sousa's office, because who knows what they got up to and the camera uh, went away. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that was really good, um, that she did 
get a good old kiss from Sousa and, you know, a long, lingering snog off him. Um, she needed that, and I think it was right for her to do that because we have the conversation with Wilkes where he essentially says, I wish we had met under different circumstances, you know, and, and Peggy says, well, we did have the dance or half a dance. And she goes, I've learned not to mourn the things that um weren't meant to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that's in reference as well, maybe to her brother and those previous episodes with, with her brother. And, and obviously, um, you know, the 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 wedding that never happened for her and even with captain america steve rogers so mm-hmm. i i thought that was really kind of philosophical really nicely put and i think having said that though i'm glad she didn't just walk away from Sousa. you yeah. know this has been the burning simmering passion that's uh, and uh romance between the two of them since the first season and so uh, i love the fact that Sousa sort of sort of winds her up in that friendly kind of uh nudge nudge way of you know you you fail to um adhere to your own principles yeah. you know you you didn't let me go through the rift and die you saved me and I, I love the fact that it all just culminated then in this in this kiss and i think it just contrasted nicely with wilkes and they were the two main men in her life for this season and I, i'm really glad that her and Sousa are the kissing away. And then we hear Thompson say she's extended her holiday time. Yeah. Looks like I'm going back to New York on my own. Um, but I, I love that. And again, I think that potentially sets up a nice little dynamic going on for, for a season three. I mean, it really does. There was so much of this episode felt like it was setting up for a season three. Um, to some extent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think there's elements of this episode that, like Susan and Peggy's, um, kiss, like what happened in the post-credit scene with Thompson, that yeah. just felt like it was setting up stuff for another season. Yeah. Or, or at least potentially. I mean, maybe it wasn't, but, um, certainly, it would have been really good to see Peggy and Sousa in a season three. Yeah, absolutely. Really would have liked to see that. This particular part of the episode did feel like it was tying up that loose end particularly so that we don't have that question going into a season three or just don't have that question again. Um, but I'm hopeful that this was a good sign that the two of them will be working together as well as being partners in at home uh, in the future. Exactly. And I think as well, it, it had a resonance because Jarvis had said, maybe all you need is one compelling reason to stay as well. And mm. I mean, for me, that would be Sousa and um, more so than say Jarvis and Anna. I think like, yes, they are firm friends, but she does want to go back to New York. You can tell New York is where she wants to be along with Jack Thompson. You can't get a good pizza. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That does bring me on to my final point, which is my slight negative about the episode uh, it's two lines actually that were delivered in the episode one from Sousa and one from Peggy and you've mentioned one of them there uh, effectively it's where Sousa and Peggy are taking the photographs in uh, in Whitney's uh, lab or Whitney's house and Sousa takes a photograph of Peggy and says to her uh, well I hope you wanted to, I wanted a souvenir of your trip for, of your trip to LA uh, later on in the episode you hear Peggy kind of say well all my whole life's back in New York uh, my housemate, my job, all that kind of stuff. It just, it's one of those weird things for me. Those two lines made it seem as if this entire season took place over the course of a couple of days, which in turn makes it seem like this is a side story alongside Peggy's real life or Agent Carter's real job and real investigation, if you know what I mean. I think those two lines just made it seem like a much a much smaller situation than the 10 episodes of this season would have you believe. It seems like one adventure over 10 episodes rather than it being a big life moment for Peggy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It felt like the episode itself could have done without those two lines. This should have been a life-changing moment. That's why the story is being told. She's on the other side of the country uh, experiencing LA for the first time, uh, experiencing Hollywood, having a and you know, an intergalactic experience effectively, you know. This is this is something that should change your life forever. Make 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 her, you know, become an X-Files researcher because of 
uh, of dealing with something extraterrestrial. But it feels like by the end of this episode, she's saying, well, that's my holiday done. I'm back to my real job in New York, uh, you know, which we will hopefully see in a future season. But um, but this almost fe- made it feel smaller than it should have felt. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I, I, I think it's the reason why, you know, certain aspects uh, from this episode just felt a bit disjointed you know we we haven't seen dotty around since she escaped and maybe there is no need to ultimately mm. but she's such a firm favorite and you know she's brought back in that way even at the start of season two that you know you felt that she might have a role to play here at mm-hmm. the end um, and maybe she did maybe she shot jack thompson mm-hmm. but maybe we did see her hands yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we don't know and i mean Hopefully it's something to be revealed in season three if we get one. And and I, I feel that that whole um Peggy on the run from her own job again wasn't really fully closed out here. I mean, there there is the mention of it between Jack and Peggy when they're discussing it whilst they're waiting for Whitney Frost. Yeah. But it it is that I suppose yeah, you you felt as though it was all wrapping up way too soon for her. Yeah, maybe. it felt like it should have originally been a 13-episode series. That's kind of my feeling. We have got 10 episodes this season. Last season, we got eight. So there was an extension onto the season, but it felt like you could have done another three episodes to give us more information about Zero Matter and give us more information about some of the other characters and hopefully a bigger payoff for uh, our one of our favorite characters now, Whitney Frost. Uh, although... Right to your point, John, I absolutely loved her closing. I loved her final moment staring into a window, uh, thinking it's a mirror and thinking she's still the beautiful actress with her husband by her side. Um, that, that's a great moment to absolutely. end her out. Yeah. Yeah. On that, John, do you want to give us your final point? Yeah, it's the three egos. It is the scientists, Stark, Sambly and Wilkes. Mm-hmm. I just really, I just like the idea that they did this, that they brought these three scientists. Peggy says you can hear their egos growing when, uh, you know, she's asked, asking them to, to save the world from zero matter by manufacturing this, this machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the conversation then of them being, you know, the, the shears of God and then well, the egos are all taking over. Um, and in the end, she just comes up and says, well, it's a rift generator. I just loved the idea that they would meet these three scientists with their egos and also just the fact that, you know, we kind of have a a slightly subversive standing on the shoulders of giants from from Howard Stark as well, that it's not so much that you uh, build upon other people's research, but that you steal it um (laughs) absolutely i mean you crammed for exams you just take someone who's cleverer than you and use their research Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) and you know it's why he makes all the money exactly (laughs) he is an industrialist not necessarily um entirely a scientist Mm -hmm. although he is one of those as well but i i love these three scientists coming together you know there is such a sort of 1950s optimism of the power of science and and modernity to really improve society that you know it's one of the other themes that comes through from all of this and so to have these three there discussing how to um uh, create this machine what the machine is actually doing interpreting whitney frost's uh, calculations and all of this and then essentially having an argument over what the machine should be called and who has the rights to it. Um, And even you have from Howard this idea that he at least wanted to retain some of the zero matter so that he could use it to, I don't know, better power the devices that he he was going to invent and and help move society forward. So I really kind of like that idea um, from this episode. And by society, he means his bank balance, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, really enjoyed these scenes with the, with the three of them working together. It's actually in itself, it's a really good shout out to Jason Wilkes' assessment of Whitney Frost from early on in the season when he says, uh, she's off the scale in intelligence. You think I'm intelligent, you think I'm smart, you think Howard's smart. We're nothing in comparison to Whitney Frost. So in order to defeat them, they need three of the greatest minds working together at the same time to develop this, uh, this weapon to take her out. It's a nice little call out and a nice little flashback to earlier on in the season. Absolutely. Have you got any notes on this episode, Derek? 
A couple of little ones. Uh, I love the fact that Wilkes is now going to be working for Stark. A very different situation. He's he's got another job. Uh, he's he's shown his experience with with Stark, and he's going to be working on a project that Stark came up with while he was over in Peru. Really interesting. Mm. I wonder what this might be. Would this be uh, something to open the gates to uh, to a foreign land, possibly? Um, would this be the start of Shield? Is this just simply Howard came up with the idea in Peru that uh, of starting? An organization that would travel around the world and gather all of this information, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what the setup for, for using Wilkes again in a future episode would be. And the only other note was just the opening scene when Whitney gets all of the zero matter. I thought it was a fantastic scene and really well done and really showed the power of Whitney filled with zero matter. Uh, it's just we hadn't called it out throughout the episode. I just particularly liked that scene, thought it was really cool. Yeah. And um, I mean, my only note was that. Wilkes becomes solid again. His mm-hmm. corporal state comes and returns. And, you know, and to me, that was unexpected because it seemed like he exploded. So I was surprised to see him, um, fully formed and solid, um, at the start of this episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, like you say, the, the explosion itself was absolutely cool. Again, that kind of gray blast that you got at right at the start of this season when they dropped the containment uh, jar in Isodyne Energy, which originally infects the two of them with the Zero Matter. So I, I love the fact that this time it just all then reforms towards um, Whitney Frost and, and the standoff going on at the same time between Peggy and Jack. You know, you have this this moment where she says, there was a time when I wouldn't have shot you, but then she cocks the gun. But then luckily doesn't have to go through uh, with that act, and neither does Jack in terms of pressing the detonator yeah. because the zero matter has been expelled from Wilkes in this sort of explosive way. And I like the touch later on that Jack does ask, would you have shot me, Peggy? And then goes, I don't want to know, actually. <laughs> I never want to know the answer to that question. Yeah, really good. So, John, overall on this episode, do you defend Agent Carter? This is actually the hardest one I've had to really think about. I've absolutely loved this season of Agent Carter. I've really enjoyed it. And unfortunately, this did feel um, like it didn't meet my expectations that had been built up over the course of the previous nine episodes. I absolutely really enjoyed this season. And that's the only reason why I felt that this episode kind of rushed towards the end in a slightly unbalanced way, slightly disjointed way for me in comparison. And I think it's not so much that the episode itself was entirely weak, but just that I think in comparison to the others, I would give this um, three seven irons out of five. I think it's just a defend for me, Mm -hmm. just. And partly it's carried through on the strength of the little moments that occur in this episode. Uh, Some of the wrap-up, although it did kind of get a bit Lord of the Ringsy, um, (laughs) with so many things to wrap up, yet there was still, as I've called it, uh, people missing in action where their stories weren't wrapped up. And maybe they didn't need to be. But I just felt that it could have done with that. But I think that was the concern I had for episode nine was that there wasn't enough time left to maybe fully close out all the different threads that had been woven over the course of this season. But I, you know, I loved Susan and Peggy having the, the kiss and that relationship hopefully being cemented off screen. Um, you know, that there is, um, Jack Thompson, the shock of him being shot, maybe killed, um, you know, in a post credits. The, the Whitney Frost ending in the asylum is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. I love the little moments between Jarvis and Anna. I mean, they've been through so much of an ordeal. And so I think, yes, I just defend this episode of um, Agent Carter. And I, I think it's primarily because of the smaller bits and because of overall, um, it does close out an excellent, excellent season. Mm-hmm. Derek, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? Similarly, uh, I'll probably say the episode itself Fell a little bit off for me as well. Um, it's a good wrap up. 
it, it's one of the difficulties when you're doing a season finale. I suppose uh, you do have a lot of uh, dependencies on it. You need to make sure that your main storyline is wrapped up. You need to make sure you get some closure for the smaller storylines throughout the season that you've set up all the way through so far. And you do need to give a glimpse of the possibility of a season three. Um, but it just felt unbalanced. It felt like they were trying to give closure to the small moments much more so than the big overarching story uh, and a shot to the back of your main character in two seconds wiping the world away of zero matter felt like the smallest ending you could possibly get for this huge world changing um bad villain which is the zero matter in fact not whitney frost you know um i did feel that it, it felt too quick um Maybe that's because I want to see more. Maybe we will get a ton more next season. And again, we haven't lost our main villain this season. Uh, Whitney Frost is there. Um, maybe her mind gets fixed and she is able to be another villain again in future, possibly teaming up with Dr. Faustus when they get back together. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncertain about this. It certainly doesn't negate the great feeling of, uh, of enjoyment that I've had from this season so far. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, this particular episode, just on the side of defend because well you can't not watch it it's the 10th episode of a of a 10 episode season uh, that's kind of where i am on it i think you i think you're right i mean i suppose it's because it's the final episode of the season you kind of and it's it's one as you say it is one of those incredibly difficult balancing acts that you know um showrunners writers directors and actors um all have to kind of deal with in in moving towards the the final glimpse that you see for either that season or from here on out uh, of Agent Carter you know Mm -hmm. I really hope we see um, a season three of of Agent Carter because both seasons season one and season two have been really really good absolutely strong women in a Marvel universe that is also in the past but informs us of everything going on in in the cinematic universe Mm -hmm. as well. Peggy Carter is a fantastic protagonist. I I love the people that are around it in terms of Jarvis and Sousa and even Thompson, the dynamics that they bring to those characters and to the world of 1940s world of uh, espionage. Really, really good. I really hope there is a a renewal of Agent Carter. I'd agree with you, but I would absolutely say i think we mentioned in one of our previous episodes bring back the girls um you know peggy should not be surviving in this time on her own we need more we needed more of rose in this season we needed more of anna we needed more of Dottie and of angie you know um bring her out to hollywood if peggy's gonna stay in hollywood you know um these are all characters that were truly needed to support peggy we can't just have a, a show based around a female superhero or a female hero who is only surrounded by men that kind of negates the point of of uh of female equality you know we want to see her surrounded by strong women anna seemed very like a strong woman rose definitely seemed like a strong woman but there were so much in the background uh, for a lot of the episodes that it felt like they were a little bit cursory to what was needed on the show so i would have hoped to have seen a bit more of them rose got very short shrift in this episode got couple of lines Anna was pretty much a guest appearance but a lovely moment when she gives Peggy a big hug and tells her she doesn't hold anything against her um so hopefully if there is a season three that will be redressed and we will get a lot more of those characters as well they need to once you get into a third season of a show you certainly have to expand it beyond the very core group you have to tell bigger stories I think that's what I'm hoping for for next season on that note we got a little bit of feedback over on our Facebook group which you can join just by going to facebook.com slash groups, slash Defenders TV podcast. Claire Laffer says, hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. Uh, in, in response to the possible end of Agent Carter, uh, we're certainly dreaming that it will be returning, uh, as I'm sure you are, Claire. Uh, David says, I felt the same kind of sadness at the end of this season as I felt t- live tweeting along with The Wrath of the Lamb, which is the final episode of Hannibal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a huge fan of that, David, and uh, as was John. Uh, Rebecca says... I'm sad it's gone. I look forward to hearing the podcast. Ronaldo says, uh, I just watched the last episode of Agent Carter. Fantastic finale to wrap it all up. Just a shame Dottie wasn't there, but so enjoyable to see Howard Stark and the whole team beat Whitney 
Treasure again to Whitney, but hope we see her again. Loved seeing Manfredi make a deal with the devil scene with him role-playing with his lackey. Was very funny and clever. Fingers crossed for a season three. Uh, Tons of tweets out there as well, all saying renew Agent Carter. Uh, I think we're totally on board with that. I don't think any of our comments throughout this episode, I hope we haven't come across as hugely negative. It is just simply this episode that I think has, hasn't met with our expectations, but the season overall, certainly we loved it. And uh, we know a lot of our listeners have as well. Absolutely. I mean, as I say, I do defend this episode, but there is so much to take from this season of, of Agent Carter that is so good. I think it is because this season has been really so enjoyable. Yeah. I've absolutely enjoyed it all, and I absolutely want to see uh, a season three of Agent Carter. This is a really, I think, important show for for Marvel. It's such a different take on the universe that I think that diversity is really important. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone involved on it has been fantastic and really really good i mean in terms of the directors the the scripts the the actors i mean the just so good and um, so um, costumes don't forget about the and costumes, the costumes and just the whole setting and yeah. scenes like really good i loved um jarvis's arc his move from being the the comedy to the tragedy. I thought that was absolutely so poignant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought Whitney Frost's porcelain like features, but with this steely determination, so fragile yet so strong. Um, and just so determined with in her quest to fulfill this zero matter reality that she's going for. So really, really enjoyed this season of, of Agent Carter and would recommend um, this season of Agent Carter to anyone. In fact, dare I say it, defend this season of Agent Carter. Um, you know, I would definitely give it four um, Whitney Frosts out of five. Certainly, certainly defend the series. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast about Agent Carter. It was great to have you join us. Uh, hopefully we'll be back in the future with more of Agent Carter And when we do get a season three. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get those episodes and our coverage of Daredevil, the other Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, TV shows and movies that are coming up. Uh, all you need to do is just go to defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes to subscribe in iTunes or you can scri- subscribe in any good or evil podcast catcher by fi- by searching for Defenders TV Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're not done yet. We'll be back with our next episode of Daredevil uh, which is episode 5 of season 2 uh, which you can find on the podcast. If you want to send in your feedback on anything including any episodes of Agent Carter just send it to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Hopefully we'll catch you very soon. Yeah, with that, I'm off to use a seven iron in front of this huge uh, expanding rift before me. Um, thank you so much for listening as always, and we'll speak to you next time. Bye. been a flickering myth podcast network production for more information head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it find this show in itunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the flickering myth movie show we'll see you on the next podcast take care bye bye